Hey everyone, welcome to No Spoilers, where I will be talking about all the movies and TV shows you need to know, and you'll learn all you need to know without knowing it all. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you know when new episodes will be coming out. Leave five stars and leave a comment and tell me what you liked about this episode. And also follow me on Instagram at thebrookej, T-H-E-B-R-O-O-K-E-J. So, the year is 2021. It has been approximately five months since Brooke has posted another episode of No Spoilers. So I came out with this podcast, super excited. Everyone was excited for me. <laughs> and, you know, um, life happened. Um, right before I started this podcast, um, one of my amazing uncles passed away. And I kind of got back. I kind of got back here and started doing a ton of things just to like, you know, distract myself. And then um, a few months after that, a few months after I started the podcast, a really dear close friend of mine, uh, Adrian Colding, passed away in February. And honestly, my drive for um, social media and really any type of work in this realm, um, it all kind of went downhill. So for me, that told me that I just needed to take a break and reset. And you know what? We are allowed to do that. It took five months, but now I'm ready to get back to it. I feel like I have a sturdy ground and yeah, so let's get to it. This episode, I'm going to be talking about some amazing Oscar nominated films. Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, Minari, and United States versus Billie Holiday. So first, let's do a little recap of the Oscars. So if we go all the way back to... So Best Original Screenplay was Promising Young Woman by Emerald Fennell. <sighs> this movie, the moment I watched it, we'll get into it in a moment, but the moment I watched it, I was like, if anything, if she doesn't get Best Actress, this better get Best Original Screenplay because it's just phenomenal. It is so new and so innovative in how to, to, to story tell a like thriller with a comedy, with the dark humor, with with d the drama, it was just like, yes, you, you, something, but someone better get something. Um, so best supporting actress was, I'm going to butcher her name. Um, Yoon Yu Zhang, uh, for Minari, which is, which was the sweet, sweet grandmother in that movie, which I will also be getting into that movie as well, but she plays the grandma, the crude, crazy grandma in this such heartwarming story. I'm so happy that she won. Um, best Supporting Actor, Daniel, I'm going to say his name incorrectly, Kaluuya? You know what? F I watched Black Panther and I've watched him in so many movies and I realize I actually don't know how to say his last name. It's not until someone else says his last name, but he won Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah as Fred Hampton. Um, another amazing movie. There is something that I'm going to get to uh, later down in this podcast about 
historical black films. <sighs> it's going to be a little bit of a rant, but we'll talk about it later. So we're going to bookmark that. Um, best actress was Frances McDormand for Nomadland as Fern. An amazing movie also. Um, best actor, Anthony Hopkins for The Father. You know, I'm not going to lie. I think we were all real confused about that. Um, I was really mad that Stephen Yoon, Stephen Yoon, um, didn't win that. He was, he played the father in Minari. Or Chadwick Boseman. You know what? Or Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Like, honestly, you had three really, really great options for this and you chose... I did not watch The Father. I really didn't care. There was too many other things going on in the world for me to care about and whatever. He won. Good for him. Happy for you. Best Director, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Makes complete sense. Absolutely. Um, other people that were in it were um, Promising Young Woman, um, Mank, Minari, and also for Best Actress and Best Actor, um, I forgot got in best supporting actress um all the way from amanda seyfried um leslie odom jr lakeith stanfield carrie mulligan who was cassie and promising young woman audra day the united states versus billy holiday viola davis of course um those were some of the amazing amazing people and now the best picture so for the best picture nominations were The Trial of the Chicago 7, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Father, and Nomadland. Did I say that already? No. And Nomadland. And Nomadland won. And actually, I was not able to watch Nomadland before the Oscars, but after I watched the Oscars, Hulu is really clever. Um, they put up... <laughs> Some movies that were, uh, that had that one or that were Oscar nominations, they put them up ready to go on Hulu. So you can, if you have Hulu, you can watch Nomadland right now. Um, I'm, I believe it's a part of the package. So you can watch that right now. Um, okay, so let's get started. Promising Young Woman. So Promising Young Woman, it was gonna, I thought it was gonna be one of those movies where I was gonna feel extremely tr triggered the whole time, um, and that I was just gonna feel uncomfortable, you know, for whatever reason, because, you know, these types of stories, it's, it's meant for you to feel things, and I was a little worried about that, but then it started, the, then, then it started to unravel, and I was like, oh, I see where we're going with this, so, um, basically it starts off with Cassie, you know, living, we don't quite know exactly where she lives, but she lives in like a small town and she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. You don't really know much about her. She's really quiet and she works at a coffee shop. Now she works at a coffee shop by day, but by night she dresses up in various outfits, you know, <laughs> with the, the hair dye, with the extensions, or she'll be like hot mistress or like the hot, you know, librarian, you know, what have you. And she will go out and act like she's completely drunk, completely obliterated and get these guys to take her home. Now, when they get home, she's sitting there and she starts asking them questions, you know, um, like, 
oh, like, do you, but it's not what you think, right? You think she'll be like, oh, like, can I sleep here? Can I do that? Like, are you, and the guy's coming on to her, you know, every time the guy's like, oh yeah, like, you need a place to sleep. And she's like, no, like, could I have some water? Or could you take me home? Could you take me, get me a cab? Or do you know my name? Do you, this, this, and that? And she's slurring her words and she's like, and the guy is about to have his way with her. And all of a sudden, you know, she's like, oh no, I don't like that. I don't like that. And the guy's like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's fine. And then she clears her voice and she goes, I do not like that. What are you doing? And the guy will be like, I thought you were drunk. She's like, yeah, you did think I was drunk. And then the guys freak out because they're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Like, this was your idea. Like, completely trying to gaslight her as if they were not just about to take advantage of her. And have it all be a bad situation. They, they knew what they were doing. And, um, <laughs> it, it's just astonishing. Cause it's like, I don't want anyone to do this in real, in real life, but it's one of those revenge movies to where even though the subject matter is really heavy and dark, I mean, really heavy and dark. I mean, as someone who is a survivor of, um, sexual assault, I felt, I felt good at the end. That's all that, like, that's all I want to say. I felt really good at the end. Um, other than that though, other than that deep meaning, there is, there is this mystery that is happening to where she has a friend, a best friend, and you see little pieces of her throughout the movie. And you're like, what happened to this friend? What happened to this friend? Why, why is she doing this? Like, why does she not just have a normal life? Like, I don't understand why this is so important to her. And you know, it starts to unravel what her true objective in doing this, like, as her side job. But it gets complicated because then she, she meets somebody. And this is where, like, the, the crude, dark humor comes around to where I loved the balance because, you know, it's dark and you're like, oh, wow, like, this is kind of a thriller slash dark, you know, subject matter. But then you have these moments of, like, lightness and like laughing at these characters and they're being hilarious and it kind of breaks it up for you but just because there's some comedy underneath there does not mean that we forget what is really going on and that's why you guys should watch the movie you guys need to find out what what like who's this friend you need to find out who her friend is because you're gonna find out i'm gonna tell you um amazing movie and actually some fun facts this movie before covid was actually supposed to come out um like last summer it was supposed to come out last summer and then like box office all that like the red carpet all that kind of stuff when movie theaters were open and the movie theaters closed so they had pushed it back because I have actually been following this movie for like over a year now on their Instagram because if you remember if you watch if you if you care about movies and tv I always find like really good trailers and when they have really good music so in their trailer they played toxic or with a violin and it goes like really eerie and that was all of their trailers and then and I was like promising you is promising you yes like I'm so ready for this movie to come out and I love Carrie Mulligan because she played Daisy if you remember in The Great Gatsby um opposite Leonardo DiCaprio and they were amazing she was phenomenal but you know that was a timepiece, and so I was really 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 jazzed to see her in a present day film and Homegirl is phenomenal her comedic timing is amazing her dramatic acting is amazing and you really truly feel the pain and the happiness coming through 
coming through the film. And that's why that's why I love this industry. That's why I love this art because it's beautiful. Storytelling is beautiful and it just gets me so excited. And so uh, I wanted Carrie Mulligan to win, but um, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so next we're going to talk United States versus Billie Holiday. So a little fun facts um, about the movie. So some few facts about this movie. So Andra Day who plays Billie Holiday, she has, she's, she's a singer. She's a phenomenal singer. And I was watching an interview with her for Wendy Williams. And she was like, I have never had to act at this caliber before. Like I, like this whole movie is riding on my shoulders. I have to carry this film. Like this film means a lot. And also it's Billie Holiday. So like I got to show out. And when she got the part, which she said she had gone through, like, some people don't understand that, like, movies don't just, like, get made out of thin air. Um, when you get to a certain level of, like, auditions, um, there might be, like, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds of auditions. And she had said, she's like, I first auditioned for this film back in 2018. So, like, this has been, like, a two-year process for her. And that's, that usually is how it is. You know, you audition for it and, like, there's, like, then the production of it takes forever. Then there's the post-production. And um, so it was great watching her in her journey after the film came out because I could tell she was terrified. I mean, that is very terrifying. Never really being on set for something at that caliber and having to not only act very well, but intimidating an icon. Uh, an icon who made so many, so many, broke so many boundaries, uh, broke so many barriers for the civil rights movement. And if you don't, under, don't understand who Billie Holiday is, so Billie Holiday is a, an iconic singer. And this was probably back in... So this movie is set in like the 1930s, 1940s. And, and Billie Holiday wrote and sang a song called Strange Fruit. And Strange Fruit is essentially a song about hanging black bodies from trees and her experience with seeing that her whole life and she called it strange fruit and it's a really disturbing song it's a phenomenal song but it's so sad and so deep and basically the united states really like literally the united states uh decided that her song could possibly incite riots and all that kind of stuff huh, sound familiar <laughs> um so they're like, well, we're going to silence her. And people are kind of like, well, you can't just make someone stop singing a song. And they're like, well, yeah, we will. So they went as far as like planting, planting so many things in her life. Uh, this is not a spoiler because this, this is actually, you know, true. But planting things in her life uh, to make her, planting illegal things in her life to make her either go to jail or, you know, get in trouble in some type of way because they were trying to stop her from singing a song. And throughout that, she, her her life was just deteriorating because she was an alcoholic, she was a drug addict, and, you know, she had her ups and downs with various men. But it never took away from, like, the great person that she was and the amazing talent that she had and she just wanted to sing and just wanted to get her voice out but at this time back then they they weren't gonna let that happen and audra day was phenomenal um she really she had 
also said she was really uncomfortable because there are some PG-13 rated R-ish scenes in the movie. And she was like, I'm just really uncomfortable with it. But, you know, like, I really want to play this right. If we're going to tell a story about Billie Holiday, we're not going to sugarcoat it and make it PG. That's just not the way her life was. And that's true. So she went all for it. And it's just seeing her really get some amazing accolades for this movie makes me so happy because... Yeah, there were a lot of tough scenes in that, and me being an actor, you know, I ask myself questions all the time. I'm like, you know, what would I be comfortable doing on on camera? Um, so she's she's really strong for that. I, I also, I don't know, it's a little bittersweet, because it's like, so you have to do some things you wouldn't really do in real life to, like... <laughs> get an Oscar nomination like why is that why is that the way it is especially black women I don't know remember that bookmark I talked about earlier all right well I'm bookmarking that we're gonna remember this and I'm gonna talk about it after the next two (laughs) next we're gonna talk about Minari so Minari oh my goodness Minari first of all I love that international films are becoming more prevalent in the United States because I'm real sick and tired of people being like, I don't want to watch it as subtitles or it's not in English. Like, oh my gosh, how about you get a brain? How about you read? Like, I don't, like people have to see subtitles in our language for our movies. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard just to listen to a different language being spoken and reading the subtitles in your language. It's really frustrating. But so Minari is primarily in Korean and it's a Korean American family. And there are some hints here and there of um, English speaking because the kids in the movie are Korean American. So yeah, like, you know, every once in a while they'll just speak English, but primarily the grandma and the parents, you know, they will speak Korean. And honestly, I, I love that they speak in their native language, language because... I feel the humor, like when it's a when it's a, a humorous moment, it's more funny when they say it the way they would say it in their native language, because it's like it's funnier that way because they're not trying to say say like say a saying or you know a a metaphor in English like they're saying the way they would say it in Korean, and it reminds me of a Parasite last year, like that movie was so funny at some points and it was just because they were living their life speaking Korean so um Minari is about a Korean American family and the father who is uh Jacob um he basically kind of takes all of his investments and is like okay we're gonna buy a farm and we're gonna have this amazing life yeah let's do it let's go move to the middle of nowhere and the wife is like for real, for real? Like, we, we really do in this? And he's like, yeah, like, this is the American dream. This is what I want. Like, I want us to be able to sustain our own lifestyle. I don't want to be stuck working in factories our whole life. I want to create a great life for our children. And we have all this land and we're going to have this amazing farm. And needless to say, uh, he didn't quite tell his wife all of this before they moved. So... The dynamics between them is interesting because you can tell they love each other so much, but you can see that there is this strain throughout the movie to where, you know, she wants to support her husband, wanting to provide for their family, but she's just like, I don't want all of this extra stuff. I want you to be present with the kids and us to have a 
comfortable life. We don't need a farm. And he's like, no, but we need a farm. So you see the ups and downs of them moving into a mobile home in the middle of nowhere in the country and all of the funny people that they meet around them and having just to sustain and like having he's starting he's trying to teach his kids some valuable lessons like there's this one scene that uh has been seen in trailers where they're trying to get water from the ground and the dad is basically they say this in korean but the dad is basically like see like if you you know if you want to get something done like you can do it you can do it if you bring your mind to it And he's like, yeah. And then the kid's like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah. And the kid's like, yeah. And he's like, louder. And then the kid's like, yeah. And he's like, whoa, scary. Oh my gosh. Um, Just such sweet of these moments of like things you don't see within families, like behind closed doors of these precious moments. Um, So anyways, while all this craziness is going on and they're trying to get their feet planted on the ground, literally, no pun intended about the farm. Their grandmother, uh, the wife's mom, comes to live with them. And she is Korean coming from uh, uh, South Korea. And (laughs) the kids are more Americanized than the parents, which is usually a thing, which I love that they had that in there because I feel like there's a lot of um, Asian Americans I know personally that, you know, grew up in such an Americanized uh, lifestyle, so to speak, that they might be a little bit disconnected from, you know, where their family might be from or, or not be able to relate to their parents or their grandparents. And so the grandmother comes and, and she's like, yeah, like, like drink these herbs and do these things and da, 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 da. And the little kid, the kids are just like, uh, how about we just drink Mountain Dew? Um, it's great. And there's this, there's this ama- there's such a- amazing scenes between, when you watch this film, pay close attention to the grandma and the scenes with the little boy, David. The sweet little boy, who he's so sweet, but he, he's what, like probably eight years old and he doesn't really have any manners, uh, but he, he's in a time where he's speaking his truth and saying what he wants and what's on his mind. And, you know, his little mouth will get him in trouble, but the way the grandmother treats him is just so pure and gentle. And and I love this film because every every single one of the characters is going through their own journey. The husband is going through his own particular struggle with, you know, being a man in America. And then the mother is, is having issues with supporting Uh, you know, her husband's dreams, but also like, you know, being a mom and and what that entails. And the kids are trying to, you know, fit in into a town with just all white people. They're the odd ones out. And they also, you know, they, they, they don't live the same lifestyle a lot of their other peers live. And then the grandmother, you know, she's older and she's coming to a different country to live with her her daughter and their family and you know how she fits into that and I it it reminds me of Parasite in a way that I love that family is so important in sp- particular cultures like th- this happens just be a, a Korean American film but Parasite 2 as well was really big on family you know no matter what happens like we have family and we're loyal to each other and we take care of each other and that was that was Minari as well and it's just so heartwarming. There's so many, there's points where you'll want to cry and then there's points where you want to laugh. It's, it's one of those movies where there's not necessarily a ton of peaks and valleys with emotion, 
but it's more of the subtleties in what makes it such a big deal because that's real life you know like watching an action film and everything being okay and then everyone's shooting at you that's not real life but you know it, it gets your blood pumping in the theater but movies where you're just purely just watching a family going through a time in their life that's real life and you know life imitates art and i i think that is such a beautiful thing and so watch minari uh, if you don't feel comfortable reading subtitles get over it and watch this film it's amazing and i i urge you to also watch other films that are not language while you're at it watch parasite um i have a favorite favorite japanese reality tv show on netflix called terrace house it's i will talk about that on another episode but it's it's in japanese and there's english subtitles you can put any subtitles but um when you get out of that comfort zone which i feel a lot of people are in there's so many more amazing things for you to see so watch minari everybody and lastly our oscar winning film nomadland so nomadland stars francis mcdormand which i like for i don't i didn't forget this but Every time I see her face in something, I think of Miss Clavel. Um, if you, I feel like there's like a handful of people that watch this. So there was a movie, there was a TV show called Madeline, like on PBS. Um, it's the, the, the old house in Paris that was covered in vines. Lived 12 little girls in two straight lines. In two straight lines, they broke their bread, washed their teeth, and went to bed. They smiled at the good and frowned at the bad. And sometimes they were very sad. Oh my gosh. Is... They left the house at half past nine in two straight lines, in rain or shine. The smallest one was Madeline. I, should I be concerned that I know that whole thing? Anyways, so there was a show called Madeline. Um, it's about this little girl in Paris. And then they turned it into a live action movie, as they usually do. And Frances McDormand played Miss Clavel. Miss Clavel was the nun at the orphanage in France, Paris, in Paris, France. So when this was a, new, a movie in the 90s. So every time I see her face, I think of Miss Clavel. Um, well, it has nothing to do with Nomadland. But anyways, so I, so I'm watching the Oscars and... I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm just like, oh yeah, like, Promising Young Woman's gonna have to win this. This must have been close. So I'm watching the Oscars and I'm like, okay, like maybe Judas and the, and the Black Messiah or Promising Young Woman's gonna win. Because I hadn't watched Nomadland. I saw briefly um, some trailers, but I honestly hadn't watched it. So um, I really didn't know what caliber we were working with here. Because Promising Young Woman, honestly, it was like, this, this movie needs all of the accolades. Um, so Promise a Young Woman won for Best Picture, and also Frances McDormand won Best Actress. And you know, one thing I love, Frances McDormand is a true artist because she went up on that stage and didn't give some like prissy, like, ah, da, 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 da. like she stayed true to the art and she was like cool awesome thanks like I did this for the art but like cool and I'm gonna sit down um and that's like when you can tell like someone is really in it for the art and not for the fame and that I respect way more um as an actress myself you know you could there's a huge difference like you can see you can see a difference um not saying people giving speeches at you know, award shows is good or a bad thing but you could tell 
you you could also tell because I think I believe when they when they won the award for Nomadland for best picture um Francis got up there and basically was like all of these other or or was actress either way she got up there and basically was like all of these other amazing people and films could have also won like I want to share this with you guys because like our film was great but yours was great too it's kind of like what Billie Eilish did at the Grammys, how she's like, oh, thanks for the Grammy, but also, like, all these other people should have won, too. So, yeah, so let's jump into it. So, Nomad Land is about a woman in her 60s, and it starts off basically giving a background of, like, you know, what we're going into. So, there was this huge factory in, I believe, Nevada that basically had its own zip code and everything, and... During the Great Recession, everybody lost their job, um, got laid off, and even the zip code disappeared, which left a lot of people homeless or, you know, on unemployment, just in really, really rough situations. And that's where we start off in the movie, and we we show up um, uh, with Fern, and she's living out of her van and you're like okay what's going on here and the story really is on the things that are in the people living in plain sight the things that are happening in plain sight that we don't even realize and i was like wow this is so true so there's like a whole group of people who are dedicated to being nomads and a nomad basically is um van dwelling um like a modern day nomad where you know you live in a van or a trailer rv and you travel and you do you do various jobs you go here and there to make money you might work at a national park you might work at a burger stand in you know the middle of somewhere ohio and then after you work there you might work you know in a hotel or then you might work somewhere and it's really just to pay the the expenses of gas and food and you know fixing your van and there's there there's a whole community of this I didn't even realize and it's like the next time you go on a road trip and you go to like one of those stops and there's people you know tending to the bathrooms and tending to the this and the gas stations they are probably a nomad they could possibly be a nomad um but it's beautiful because there's a huge things surrounding like why do we need to live our whole life to be in debt to live in a house when we die we don't take any of this any of this with us you know um and I I love one thing I love about this movie is that you fully get engulfed in her life you know if I were just to say this to somebody sitting at dinner they'd be like yeah I don't really care but as you follow her life and see the things that she's been through and that this makes her happy this this fulfills her and this fulfills her more than having land and a house and all that kind of stuff because that is not maybe it did before but now she's at a different part of her life and she realizes you know what's really important and she wants to come in she wants freedom she wants freedom from bills and and all that kind of stuff and, and we meet a lot of people throughout this journey and I couldn't even tell if they were actors or not because a lot of these people the way they were talking like for, were like real real lives but for instance um there there might be someone who like maybe maybe she meets someone who uh, was having a really rough time in a hospital and she doesn't have a long life to long time to live and you know a lot of people there's some people in those situations where they're like no I'm gonna keep trying I'm gonna keep. then there are some people who are like you know 
if this is the end, then I'm going to live it being free. I don't want to be held on to, you know, possessions anymore. I want to travel and see the things and see earth, see all of the amazing animals out there that I haven't been able to see because I've been working my whole life. You know, there's so many people, like during the Great Recession, if you guys didn't know, so many people's social security and 401ks just completely disappeared. So the people that were about to retire, who's been three plus years of their life, hadn't. So they either just kept working or they decided to a different lifestyle. We see that as well. And, and it's like, again, like, let's say you're on a road trip and you see these people tending. They could have the most... They, are, they could have been a CEO. They could have been, and it's, it's one of those things like do not ever judge someone by their cover. They have such a, a deep, deep history and now they're just in a different place in their life to where they don't care about that. They care about other things that fulfill them. And sure, they'll work for some money here and there, but that doesn't ever mean you need to treat lower than you. You don't know where they and they have such beautiful full story and seeing this unfold with fern and she's she's an introvert she really doesn't like people <laughs> and also this even this is a dramatic movie it has its amazing comedic comedic moments it's it's great um and it's always really sarc it's a very sarcastic film like when there's moments happening you know there's always some side eye or a comment or like the way she'll move her body and it, it's just so great so um yeah, this this movie's amazing. It has beautiful shots, by the way. The cinematography is amazing. Um, I'm not quite sure where they travel to, in but just great, great scenery, great shoot locations, and such a, a deeper meaning. Because there is a moment in the movie where you think maybe, like, she's done with that life. But you'll have to watch and find out what So, all right, so that bookmark, right? The only thing I wanted to discuss real quick... Um, you might be opposed to this and you maybe you'll agree with me, but I was talking to a friend the other day and I was kind of asking him like, isn't it weird that like every time a black person wins an Oscar or an Oscar film, they're like, they're always like struggling. <laughs> like, okay, Audra Day, for instance, uh, plays a black singer who was a drug addict, a, an alcoholic, and was in some extremely tough situations in her life. She was not winning. Um, abused, verbally abused, all that kind of stuff. But nominated! Yay! Um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, his character, you know, like, the Black Panther. We, we are, I mean, like, I feel like I don't need to reiterate myself, like, reiterate, like, if you don't know what happened back in the civil rights movement, for, like, the various things that happened, like, just your education. But, obviously, oppression, racism, like, you you know, like, all of that. Um, Holly Berry. Holly Berry, when we, she won her, her Oscar, I believe she was in a, um, a very explicit, uh, traumatic scene, right? Um, 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave won, right? Um, and then... Lupita won Best Actress that year, I believe. Okay. If, I never watched 12 Years a Slave, but I've, I've watched some for when I was in film school. I watched some scenes because we were watching something about the movie cinematically. And I was like, I can't watch this movie. Like, it's just torturous. I, I can't. I can't do anymore. But yeah, it wins, right? Um, What was that Driving Miss Daisy movie? Um, Green Book? Green Book. Oppression. Racism. All that surrounding there is just like, oh my gosh, okay. Um, Moonlight, even though we thought La La Land was going to win, but like a Moonlight, 
uh, a black man who lives in a very misogynistic uh, society who doesn't have a lot and he's trying to figure out um, the issues that are going on in his life. Like, it's just, why are the black people that, like, do, like, it's, they're always, like, struggling or in pain or having, or going through trauma. I'm like, can a black person win a, like, a comedy or in a musical or, like, something lighthearted and funny? Um, I don't know. Like, is that, is that, it's just interesting to me. Like, why does all the black people that get, or the movies that get, you know, they win Oscars, it's, or like Precious, Precious, um, Precious was nominated and also, um, Monique, she won an Oscar for being an abusive mother, a verbally, physically abusive mother to her daughter who throws TVs at her daughter down the stairwell. Yay, you get an Oscar. Like, isn't that, that's interesting to me. Um, because as being an actress, I kind of get frustrated because I'm, I've gotten a lot of, of those roles to audition for and I, I, I have bittersweet about it. Like one, yes, it's a great opportunity and like, I'm going to take whatever I can get now, but it's like, but I want to win an Oscar for a comedy. I want to, I want to win a Golden Globe for a sitcom. Like, you know, like that's why shows like Insecure, which is like, like, sure, the black girls are struggling here and there, but it's like they're in their late 20s, 30s struggling, like with finances and this and that and friendships and stuff, not like getting beaten you know, by so-and-so. Like, why does that show not have more accolades? Why does Lovecraft Country not have more accolades where the black people are taken over in the show? Like, that's another show I have to talk. I've been wanting to talk on it, but it just deserves so much of my time that I'm like, let, we'll get to it another time. But um, yeah, let me know what you think about that little, that little comment. Because um, that's how I feel it's nothing that, like, I, I think that I'm just, like, going to change or anything, but it's just one of those things that I, I see year after year after year, and it's like, dang, like, when, when are the black, when, when can black people get an Oscar for a happy or a, a quirky, you know, I, I believe, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to Get Out, I mean, I'll give it to them, <laughs> but still, it's, it was surrounding racism and oppression, and, like, it was a great film, though, I mean, it deserved all the accolades, but... I would just love for a black person or a black film that has nothing to do with racism or anything and for it to just be like, ha, it's a comedy, <laughs> you know, like La La Land. Like if the two, if it was, just, if it was a black La La Land, like would they win? Would they win? Would people care? Would you watch a black La La Land? Would you watch a black nomad land? And I don't mean to say black. I mean, also, uh, indigenous or, um, Lat Latinx. I mean, just so many other, there's so many other people, obviously, than black and white, but I'm black, so I'm really kind of just speaking from a first-person perspective, but I think so many other uh, demographics in this world need better, better representation. I feel like we have, we're getting to more representation, but now I'm kind of like, okay, but like, don't keep us in a stereotypical box. Like, why does every, like, Mexican this and that have to do with the cartels? Like, can we move away from it? Can we, we get it. We get it. Like, sure, that's a thing, but, like, that's not everything. Yeah, sure, like, slavery was a part of Black history, but it's not all. We're, we are so much more than that, and that's kind of my whole point. So, if you have anything to say about that, um, let me know. Thanks for listening to No Spoilers, everybody. I hope you had a great, lovely time, and I will catch you on the next episode. Talk to you later.